Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Pushkin. I first discovered Leonard Cohen like most people through his song Hallelujah, a beautiful and complex song with a ton of verses. But I grew to love him after discovering his early albums full of nylon string guitars and songs much more succinct than Hallelujah. Though Leonard never got quite the amount of attention that his peers did, like Bob Dylan and Paul Simon, he was every bit the poet they are. Cohen died in 2016, less than a month after the release of his last album. It was a project recorded in his modest duplex in the Mid-Wilshire neighborhood of Los Angeles. Leonard made the album with his son, Adam Cohen. It wasn't meant to be his last work, but it felt like a fitting end, until this turned up. While mourning his father's death, Adam took some of the poetry Leonard had recorded and set it to music. And now, very unexpectedly, we have a brand new album from Leonard Cohen, called Thanks for the Dance. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear this sound effect. All right, enjoy the episode. Rick Rubin knew Leonard Cohen for about a decade before his passing. Afterwards, Leonard's son Adam reached out to Rick, wanted to tell him a story about his father, the one you're about to hear. When's the last time we saw each other? I was trying to remember. It feels like so long ago. 
all of it. I was trying to remember. I mean, I know the feeling that I was left with um, in that story that my dad always used to tell about you and you became the brunt of a, of almost like a punchline. But now the whole thing's dissipated into a general tapestry and feeling of, you know, I guess a, a mix, a cocktail, a blend of maybe inaccuracies and feelings mixed together. But I, I want to try to summon, if, if it's appropriate, yes, the story about you. Hey, yeah, t- tell me the story as you remember it. It has something to do with his general feeling about himself not being a stallion in the race of show business. And by that, I mean, he would refer to other guys he came up with, whether it's Christofferson or Baez or Joni or Dylan or all the cats that were coming up in his era as knowing what to do, he would say. These guys know what to do. All I've ever known is how to blacken a page, you would say. That's where you have to understand that context before Rick Rubin enters into the conversation. So then, then the question is two guys sitting at a table and some music industry related question emerges. And he says, I don't know, Adam. I mean, they like, we, we should ask Rick, you know, like Rick Rubin would know this. <laughs> and so very quickly that morphs into any question that we have, ask Rick. Yeah, ask Rick. You know, I come to him with a genuine question, Dad. You know, what should I do about this? If it's music related, and then it turns into a punchline. He said, "You know, Adam, you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> ask Rick Rubin." And of course, you know, I hadn't met you. No, it's you so know? funny. <laughs> I, I get, and as I said, I, I didn't know any of this until you told me this after your dad passed. Yeah, and so I felt like I had to track you down on on the off chance he was right. You know. I have to ask Rick. And I have subsequently asked you on many occasions, and you've proven right every time. Wow. So thank you. Pretty good. My pleasure. It's an amazing story. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah, me too. Tell me about the um, the new, your dad's newest project. I know. It's not incredible. It's so cool. I suppose that uh, the most gratifying part, other than the fact that it wasn't a humiliating disaster, and the fact that it's resonant and that I think it's beautiful and people are responding to it so favorably. I think the headline is that person after person who hears it, one of the most gratifying things that is said of it time and time again is that they feel like, oh my God, Leonard Cohen is is still here. He's speaking to us still. And with this message in tow, this beautiful offering, this command of language, this inimitable gift that he's always had, still having it. I mean, of course, I could go into detail because I, I have. Yeah, tell, a, tell me about the the specifics of the making of it. Like, how how did it? How did the idea come? Start from the beginning. Well, the first thing that happened was my old man passed away, and I live about. 750 meters down the same street where you visited. And I'm left with this notion that one of the ways in which I can visit with him so palpably, as opposed to so many other people who lose a parent 
or someone. I've got all these recordings uh, and they are the sum of his being in many instances. They are the sum of what he practiced to be in this world. And uh, they are literally his words, his voice in recordings. And uh, at one point I, out of desperation and a tiny pinch of courage, I, I dared open up to sessions in my backyard and I just wanted to sit with him. I missed him. Um, and it was a way of, of conversing, of remaining in dialogue with the guy. That was the beginning. And then something really unexpected and magical happened. A record is not a fait accompli. It, you know, even good songs do not result in good recordings, e even in your hands. It doesn't matter if the artist and the song and the producer and the musicians, it is not a guarantee of anything. And so the fact that, that a record actually emerged that's finished and that's resonant and that's emotional and that's truthful, it's not in my hands. I don't have the qualifications to do that. It emerged. And, and it's uh, out of our control. That's the It's the out, of our control. out of our control. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have two strikes against me for this record in terms of my actual um, true participation, you know. One is that I neither have great and esteemed credentials. And two, this wasn't my record. You know, I, I wasn't trying to make my choices. Of course. I was trying to, at all times, because of this conversation that I was in, say, like, Dad, would do you like this? Is this what you would do? Is this truthful? And uh, so it eliminated this tragic layer that we often impose on ourselves of doubt. Yes. It was... I don't have to consult myself. All I have to do is consult yes. him. Yep. He was very clear about what he did and didn't like. Yes. And that's the great advantage that I had over people who are like you, for example. Yes. I knew what he hated. Of course. You know? You know what's interesting? I never really thought about this before, but for any other artist, this would be a more difficult process. But because Leonard's music always essentially started with the poetry. And that was the basis of the greatness of the songs. The heavy lifting was already done. So this is the best example of being able to make something really truthful to him, where the participation that he already did really is the key. Yeah. I, I was thinking that on the drive up here, you know, there's a, there's a song called The Goal, which is, it's literally no more than a minute long. And his reading, which had no music, it was just a reading. His reading sounds like a thespian from the other side of the world. The command of language, the cinematic transport of quality, and then to end, you know, by saying, no one to follow, nothing to teach, except that the goal falls short of the reach. So beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. I, <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. It's so wonderful that that exists. Yeah. And uh, it's so true. 
and what a truthful position that he had. I can see him sitting in his little fedora and in his suit, staring at his window, returning a neighbor's smile with that yeah. sense of defeat. Yes. But at the same time, the word defeat to people has this binary quality to yeah. most people. It's yeah. measured against winning, for example. Yes. But to him, it was part of this thesis that he had that his whole life was about, which is brokenness, broken hallelujah, the crack in everything. Mm -hmm. The whole notion that defeat and imperfection and brokenness was the fabric of, of the experience. And then instead of just you know having a plaintiff assertion, uh, the real generosity was to write about it in a way that you hadn't considered with generosity, with voluptuousness, with inventiveness. And then, you know, if you could, on top of it, set it to a melody, uh, you know, like a like what nicotine is in a cigarette, like it's a nicotine delivery system. He was giving you like a transcendent delivery system. That's what he was trying to do every time. You hate that I said that, <laughs> but that's what I think he was trying to do. What was it like uh, growing up with him? How much time do you spend with him in, through childhood? Yeah, I don't know that that's a question that I can answer uh, in a complete manner, you know? I mean, the immediate answer is, I don't know because I've only had that, so I have nothing else to measure it against. And it was incredible. Uh, Now that he's gone and that I consult him more as a man than a parent, and I see him as a, as a lifetime of choices, fantastic, altruistic, amazing, bizarre, eccentric, devoted, religious, seeker-like choices. Um, I find him ever more remarkable and the fact that he was able to, you know, remain in his children's lives despite it not really being an, an appetite of his at, at the beginning. But for me, there was this torture of what he called the family business. Now he could call it the family business and he would say, oh, the Cohen boys and the family business. And, you know, but if I dared say the family business, you know, he would say like, what do you mean family business? You know, you're, so you know, funny. it was, it was this endless geyser of support and understanding. I mean, he would lean over my, he would lean over my notebook and give me suggestions. He would, you know, he would say, this is what you got to do. You know, although you got to ask Rick, cause well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, and at the same time, you know, I remember I, when Instagram came around and I, I, my handle was is Commander Cohen, and he found out about it. He said, "You're stealing my identity." <laughs> I said, "Dad, what are you talking about? You know, like you Did were he so say it laughingly." That's the thing. No. Yeah. You know, he, he was he was like, for example, there was a, there was an article in which you know, um, I had said like, kind of something like. Look, there's no one like Leonard Cohen. Um, but I'm like a, certainly on the mainland, but I'm the closest thing to it. If, you know, we're talking about way offshore, distant little, you know, 
distant little islets. And he says, what are you talking about? You're the closest thing to Leonard Cohen. You know, this is the kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know whether he was as irritated as the tone indicated, but again, it was also accompanied by this, you know, dad, I quit. I don't want to be your producer. This is ridiculous. He said, dad, he says, Adam, where are you going? I can't do this without you. You know? So there was this wonderful and constant contradiction, you know, like, um, I, I referred to his music one time in a magazine as mytho-romantic. And I thought, oh my God, this is so perfect. It really is mytho-romantic. I mean, you know, the idea that, that, that woman is God and God is woman and, 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 you know, the, 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 the cathedral that his words are echoing in the, of, and that he built stone by stone, word by word. And he says, he says, remind me, uh, to reduce your, uh, to a couple words, kid. You know, and I'm like, Dad, what are you talking about? You know, mytho-romantic, it's good. And then, you know, two Sabbath dinners later, he's like, my son, who coined the term mytho-romantic, putting his arm around me. <laughs> this is this is crazy. He's so funny. And exactly. And of course, none of it was malicious. And I yeah, didn't. Yeah. I never felt like it was in an episode of Succession where yeah. I was going to, you know, like he was going to try to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but given the modesty it goes back to your original question which mm. was like what was it like living with him he was so modest mm. he was so down to earth i mean this is a guy who lived in a an apartment you know and drove a, a 1984 uh, nissan pathfinder wh- whose battery need to be jumped every morning you know i mean yes he did go through a a, a five thousand dollar can of caviar you know and then the same afternoon and he did have a propensity for Hebrew national kosher salami, but he was this elegant old world man who, I think the reason I stumbled in, in answering you earlier was because it provoked such a feeling. And the feeling is this, he had so many distinguishing characteristics that I wished I could find in myself that it was Never oppressive, but it was unachievable. Unachievable for most anybody. For sure. And, uh, but he liked you though. (laughs) And often said things of that nature about you to me. Incredible. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I mean, we're talking about a a, kind of larger than lifeness. And at the same time, he was this little Jew who wrote the Bible, you know? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about his spirituality? Not, as, not, as in a, you, not in a way he would approve of. But as you saw it, your perspective. I think he was a seeker. I, I think he just had an appetite. You know, if I was to, you know, two cent psychoanalyze him, I'd, I'd say a, a guy who loses his father at the age of nine years old is always looking for something. And in this case, it was um, the archetypal man, the, the source of strength and wisdom. And uh, although he found pillars of that strength and wisdom within certain segments of Judaism, he also found it in Christianity and Catherine Tekatwita and in several masters that he followed along the way and uh, and in wine and in women and in song. And uh, in, listen, he met my mother while he was in Scientology for a brief moment with L. Ron Hubbard. I mean, anything, anything goes if it's got a little bit of a buzz. 
speed, absinthe, yeah, medical marijuana, whatever. Yeah, I remember him always offering absinthe whenever I would see him. <laughs> yeah, he liked to get high. Yeah, he loved it, and it didn't have to be with a substance. He just loved to let go of uh, of that fastening, that oppressive fastening that we that we do almost in, involuntarily to the center of ourselves, which is not even a very pleasant place to be. Mm. I remember asking him if he if he read any of the newer poets, and he said that he only reads spiritual texts now. He doesn't look at anything. He's not interested in anything beyond spiritual texts. That was interesting. Mm. Yeah, I didn't follow too closely what he was reading, uh, other than what he would tell me. And there was a, I think he's, again, these are all admissions that I'm having trouble making because, you know, I sort of feel like, he would say, Jesus, Adam, you're incorrigible. I mean, don't <laughs> demystify me. I've spent my whole life putting veils up. Um, but um, I think he had forfeited reading for the irresistible ease of online publications, of lectures online. And I, I know that he was following some pretty wacky folks, um, you know, from from rabbis and Sikhs to uh, to Hindu gurus and you know he was deep deep into listening to pe to people speaking yeah he invited me to see rabbi finley with him several times mm -hmm. and Absolutely. i still have not yet done it yeah. but i still plan let's to. go let's yeah, go yeah. let's go one yeah. of these days he's he's a beautiful uh, robust interesting charismatic uh, character ex-marine uh from irish descent mm. who became incredibly versed in in all things jewish but with a with a really modern and uh, moderate bent. Mm. Very cool guy. After the break, we'll debut a song from Leonard Cohen's new album, Thanks for the Dance. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC, copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobile.com slash now to learn more. We're back with Adam Cohen. Should we talk a little bit about the the album before this one, the the last one he was present for? Well, that was beautiful for me. And not just because the record turned out beautifully. And although my father passed away only three weeks after it came out, he did get to, you know, when he played it for you, yeah. he came over to the house or... Yeah when he played it for people whose opinion he was seeking uh, or, or with whom he just wanted to share the music okay. and then eventually the world uh, that, that a collect, you know, this is where it's, he was such an unsentimental guy that uh, I almost feel like I'm trespassing. But for me, it was sentimental to be summoned to work with my father uh, in whose footsteps I tried with clumsiness uh, to follow to uh, to go from basically glorified coffee boy you know in the in the basement of the building to ending up in in the penthouse making boardroom decisions with a boss uh, except the boss was in a medical chair you know in his living room in mid wilshire <laughs> yeah. um to, to to actually having this resonant music to to wrestling with the master and and not getting creamed. And in fact, you know, when another thing that when you came up in conversation, you know, and, and, and pardon me for the oversimplifying, but when, when he would say, you know, Rick or, or, or Don was, or, or Dan Lana, they want to, they want me to go back. They want me to, they want me to literally regress to making, you know, an old Leonard Cohen album with just nylon string guitars and stuff like, I don't want to do that. You know, like I'm not a museum piece. I'm not even particularly nostalgic. Um, 
But of course, I believe that you <laughs> were right. And, and that that desire for Leonard Cohen to tickle that and evoke that sense that we have in our mind's eye of what Leonard Cohen is, uh, not just not just spiritually, not just lyrically, but also sonically in terms of the architecture that accompanies him, um, was such a strong desire. And when he finally was weak enough to relent and allow that just for a second, especially with this, his son, um, to have that nylon string guitar come back to to quiet the background vocals and excavate enough space for him in the verses so that the narratorship was unchallenged. Um, and they could go back to that other union that he had created, which is that yin and yang, where he has this masculine baritone narrator narratorship. And then there's this incredible, generous complicitness from the female backgrounds. So there's this union and this is an architecture that he he, he helped excavate. Mm-hmm. Um, so to to restore that, but at the end of his life, with that gravity, with that somberness, with that sharpness, with that courage to to go into the darkness and come back with a little a little parcel of truth that he had, um, was incredibly edifying, you know, and touching for me and. You mentioned his medical chair. When I came to visit him, it, it he literally looked like a king in a throne. It was unbelievable. He was so elegantly dressed, mm. as always. Um, yes. But so beautiful and sitting in this grand chair in this small space. Yeah. It, it really took my breath away. Every time I visited him, it was always, uh, it was always thrilling for me, but maybe even more so than... And none of us, I mean, I certainly didn't know that he was going anytime soon because we were already talking about what he was going to do next. It's like he already told me he was excited. He was writing for the next album, mm. which is which is yeah. now happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he, he was, li- you know, I often said to my friend here, Michael, who, again, mixed and recorded yeah. both that record and this one, you know, I said, like, you know, he's staying alive for this. This is the only thing he's living for. Yeah. And often, unfortunately, that statement was made or that declaration was was uttered when we were going nowhere. And it just felt like he was stalling. And it was like, Dad, we get it. When you finish this record, you're gonna you're gonna let go. But only when you finish the work. He was a pit bull at the sleeve of this mission, yeah. whether it was blackening pages or finishing a, a lyric and been refinishing it yes yeah but it was this indelible and very clear sense that he was living for the work that's all he was living and that was that was why when he played me the new finished work the first thing i said was so what's the next song gonna be like what's the you know have you started on the next album yet knowing that he needed that yeah and knowing that we want to hear that it's like good for everybody did he uh, did he do that thing that he that he sometimes we do uh, almost like a magician with a card trick? Did he dispense on you lyrics that he was working on? Yeah, wasn't that just magical? Yeah, amazing. One of the things I miss the most is, 
you know, dropping by and having him without a teleprompter. I mean, yes. we're talking about a man who is literally swimming in toms and toms and toms of not just words, but like heavy, dense and delicious language. Yes. And for him to pull him out, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's pulling out Blake or Shakespeare or his own work, the, the, the lucidity and the sharpness right to the end. Um, but then to hear the deliciousness of a concoction that he was, you know, in the in the throes of, you know, wasn't that, a, wasn't that a, isn't that just a delicious memory? Unbelievably, unbelievably thrilling. And I'm sure over the years there were, there were many that you got to hear that maybe never came to pass. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because on this record, I had to beg him. I said, "Dad, you know that song, Puppets? Just just speak it. I know you never. I know you." are not co-signing, you don't believe that there's music that exists for this, yes. or Night of Santiago, or um, there's several others where I said, just just read it. Read yes. it to a, to a metronome. Yes. We'll figure that out later, but don't not speak this yes. into a microphone. Yes. And um, that's how delicious some of those moments were. You know, yeah, there's some, unfortunately, I didn't get. In fact, the last song on this album is called uh, Listen to the Hummingbird. And uh, we were done with the record. And uh, Michael and I were in Berlin at a festival called People Festival, which is uh, organized by Justin Vernon Bonivere mm -hmm. and, uh, and the Desners from the National. And uh, Bonivere's music was, we were sharing a studio and they were, uh, we had a shared wall. And all of these incredible, moving, evocative sonics were coming through the wall. And instead of hating him and resenting him for interrupting what would otherwise have been our session, we were inspired. And um, and we said, oh my goodness, the very last time this man spoke in public, he impromptu did what we're talking about. He said, hey, do you want to hear something I'm working on? And he read into a 58 in a halogen lit conference room, a press event. He read out loud this poem and uh, we remembered it. Contacted Sony, said, is there any way you could locate that one moment in that press conference, turn it into a wave file, send it to us. And with this stuff coming through the shared wall, we composed this, uh, this track. Amazing. Yeah. It's such a pleasure hearing him speak. It know? was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I miss it. I really, I really miss it. You know? On the last, the last album, was that recorded with his band? Nothing was recorded with his band. Um, no, what the sort of sonic defining characteristic of the last record, not this new one, uh, was, uh, a men's choir that's also on this uh, on this album. In fact, on this album, there's a song called Puppets where uh, it boldly starts with uh, German puppets burnt the Jews. Jewish puppets did not choose. I mean, this is an arresting and bold beginning to any lyric that that arguably should maybe not even be in a song. 
but um, that men's choir, the Jewish men's choir, and this Berlin-based German choir are both on the song, and they're both singing. Let's listen to that. It's pretty. It's a pretty wacky one. Okay. He seems to be saying we're all puppets. Yes, sir. Yeah, he was studying with this guy called uh, Balsakar in India, where he would uh, he would go after uh, Roshi, his uh, his Zen teacher, passed away. And the thesis of Balsakar, which he was really taken by at the end and became his sort of central spiritual backbone, was there is no doer. There is no doer whatsoever. It's a kind of fatalistic, but without the oppressiveness of the word fatalist, this uh, idea that it's all written by some program. So puppets for sure, but even but even smaller than puppets. You know, he would often say, uh, you can read every word on the page, you just can't change any of them in the script of your life. And also speaks to the um, resignment in the lyric that you quoted earlier of waving to the neighbor and... Yeah, the resignation of... Uh, I sit in my chair, I look at the street, the neighbor returns, my smile of defeat. I move with the leaves, I shine with the chrome. I'm almost alive, I'm almost at home. Yeah, and also it, it relates to the... Um, what we were talking about in the, in the in the making of art process, the fact that it's out of our control, it all it's it's all it's all one thing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Again, I I go back to being infuriated by his contradictions. I just have another another story. Again, you know, I finished a record at one point, and I met him at Starbucks on. Wilshire and La Brea. And I had this big declaration to him for which I was, I think, seeking validation and maybe even a compliment. I said, Dad, once we were sat with coffees in the sun, I said, Dad, I'm, I'm scrapping the entire record. I'm going to start over. And I thought he would put his hand on my shoulder and say, like, my son, you know, like the Kipling poem, you know. He says, what an amateur move, he says to me. I said, Dad, I said, what are you talking about? He says, he says, it's show business, man. It's not how you feel about the work. It's about how you make us feel about the work. It has nothing to do with altruistic, you know, like that the writing is that. Yes. The, you know, like be truthful while you're writing. Seek, you know, to be stirred by the muses. But once you're recording, I mean, that, that, is, a, that is an act of pandering you have you have to go the whole hog he says you think i mean it every night when i'm on my knees singing hallelujah you think mick means it every night when he's singing you know i can't get no he says you know like the the true generosity is to not care whether you do or don't mean it you know and then i'm thinking like wait a minute dad hold on (laughs) i i've been in the studio with you now Yes. And I see how many times you yes. 
have trashed and begun again and not accepted and stalled. And so wait a minute, you know, again, these infuriating uh, diametrically opposed and, and battling notions. Remember that, Michael? Publish or perish. Publish or perish, he said. He just kept on repeating that. Get off the get off the pot. I'd say, well, what about you, Dad? You know, like twelve years to finish a song. You know, he'd say, Oh yeah, well, I was I was getting it right. <laughs> I think he was telling you what he wanted to tell himself. I also think that the there is a is it I'm not much of a sports fan, but it's a there's a there's a thing that boxers say to each other. They say there's levels to this, you know. Just because Ali can do it doesn't mean you can. Yeah. Just because Floyd Mayweather can do it doesn't mean you can. And I and I, I don't mean to suggest that he was as callous and conceited as to imply that that is clearly as I'm indicating. But I think he was saying. Look, when you're writing psalms of King David like I am, yes. you know, you can afford to take your time. I don't think he's saying that. Okay, good. I, no, I, I don't think he's Thank saying that. Thank you for that. assuaging my concern. No, no, no. I think he's saying he's telling you what he needs to hear. That's what I think was happening. He was giving you his best advice yeah. that he was not able to take for himself. I don't know, Rick. I don't. I, that doesn't resonate as true. And I'm and I'm not. Uh, I think you might be too close. Yeah, I might be too close. I I don't feel like myself bucking, you know, or or uh, or tangling antlers with you because that's that's I don't have the stature to to, to win at oh, that. Can, there's no but, winning. There's no by by the way. There's no competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're not but, winning. But, we're sharing but, ideas. But I do. But I do believe that that's not true, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um. I myself, I don't believe in the idea of all things equal. And in fact, I believe that, you know, what the, the definition of the word miracle is a breach in the law of nature. Yes. He was a breach in the law of, of nature. Yes. He can allow himself exception. That's what he was. And uh, to go to another sort of analogous where the sisterhood of that idea would be the word scarcity. You know, the, the idea that that something is is something's value is directly measured by how little of it there is and he was not a prolific man and unlike dylan who was you know who just spat them out you know he was chiseling at marble and he would always refer to himself as slow but it was never disparagingly yes there was a methodical conscious there was a notion from a young man, if you go back to his journals, and, and which I have unfortunately, you know, or fortunately had to do. I'm so buried in all things Leonard Cohen these days. Um, but there was this sense that he had this mandate from G-D to go into the darkness. And we don't all have that. That would be, that would be presumptuous and arrogant do you do you think he included himself in the puppets in the song that we just absolutely talked about? yes okay yes that, you're, yes you're right <laughs> but but again there's puppet mountains yes. and there's puppet molehills yes okay I, okay but, we agree yes okay good yes 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 
I'm not, I'm not thinking that he thought less of himself in any way. And I'm not thinking that, and, and I'm, I will tell you, I don't think he looked down on your work versus his work. I don't believe that. Well, that would be crazy, Rick. I don't believe that. (laughs) I just don't believe that. I promise that on the drive home, I'll think more about this. (laughs) Yeah. Because I, I think for as, I think he clearly knew he was great, but he also saw all of the downsides. I don't think that he saw anything as perfect. No. So, and, and I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I, I, I don't think he thought about things by rank. I don't think, but I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, in general, I got that from him. Yeah. Well, he wasn't in the position of, he was one of the least judgmental characters I've ever met. So for that, I agree. But understanding things, place and resonance and understanding that some things were whispers and some things were uh, seismic tremors. For example, he would say, I'm not one of the big guys, but I do understand that I have, you know, uh, I think he would say, my little toe in the door jam of the annals of history. Yes. And so this was a, a sense of modesty, but a sense of place. Yes. I think it's realistic. Yeah. You know, he was realistic. Yeah. But boy, the exception that he was that as his contemporaries aged out or are aging out, that their offerings, their little wild bouquets that they're still holding have less and less pertinence and have more and more of that sense of like being a nostalgia act. And that he, as opposed to them, remained so vital and it was i think it was because he was really clawing his way up you know with his deteriorating little frail body even you know clawing his way and really speaking from the rank at which he found himself yes you know he was really he wasn't trying to say baby 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 he was trying to say we kill the flame if that's what you want my lord you know he was he was really he wasn't revisiting anything. That's why he took offense to some notions that he'd go backwards. Yeah. You know, he was trying to remain vital. Yeah. I don't think I ever got to, to explain it well to him, but my, my my version of him going backwards... Tell me so I can tell him later. Uh, okay. Had more to do with... His songwriting changed in a way that became more punchline based over time and his earlier songs didn't have that and i missed the songs without the punchlines and that would have been my one request if to to think about writing songs that that didn't rely on the punchline because i think once he fell into that i think it made it easier to write the songs for him it, it it was a it was an organizing principle that made the having that structure was easier to work work towards. Yeah, he would refer to it as um, he would often talk about Arthur Miller and how the the plays got shorter and shorter, but the impact didn't. Yeah, and uh, you know how his his life energy was different, and he anything that 
allowed for the juice to keep flowing yes. was was more vital than anything. So, you know, however you got there, you just got to keep on getting there. So I, I, I do also see the economy. Of, but, you know, the funny thing is, what era are you speaking about? Of course, his earlier work had this kind of languid, you know, such deep voluptuousness. And then, you know, by the time even he was doing Hallelujah, mm-hmm. That was a lot more terse, a lot more economic. And then by the time he was doing There's a Crack in Everything, that's how the light gets in, he had found that voice that yes. he remained with to the end. Yes. In other words, it wasn't a forfeiture of poetry, yes. it, but it was an economy. Yes. I love your your term punchline yes. because he did look for them. I know. But never succumbing to what he would call sloganeering. Yes. He, would, he would always want to, he would try to raise above, rise above slogans. Yes. You know, and he would always say to me, you know, like, I take the inner life really seriously. Yes. And I think that's why it resonates so much to us, because, you know, this man is not sloganeering. Yes. He is tapping into something. He's mining for sure where you dare not go. For sure. How many albums did he make? Um, Gosh, I don't know. In total, 12, 13, 14. And that's interesting, too, because if we were to compare him to any of his contemporaries... There were fewer. Much fewer. Oh, yeah. Much, much, much fewer. Yeah. You know, one, probably one-fifth of yes. else. Yes, yes. Yeah. That reminds me of the, uh, I think it's the E.E. E. Cummings quote. Uh, it says, um, every artist has an embarrassingly slim cartridge of good work. Mm. I-, I think he was very aware of that and kind of eschewed some of the pitfalls of what my friend reminded me here of publisher parish you know he, he almost did perish a few times waiting to publish yes <laughs> but the good thing is that he emerged with these diamonds with yes. these gems coming up after the break one more gem from leonard cohen and his son adam chase for business and iheart bring you a new podcast series called the unshakables This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobile.com slash now to learn more. We're back with more of Rick Rubin's conversation with Adam Cohen. Okay, happens to the heart is, is the alma mater. It's the thing he was obsessively working on. If you came over, there would be notepads and scraps of paper everywhere. And it was the thing he was the most consumed with. We didn't get it. He didn't get it on uh, on You Want It Darker, and he kept on working on it. And and um, it was one of the first songs, one of the first two songs that uh, we pulled up when we were in my backyard. And um, it does sort of surmise the perch from which he was looking at life the strange modesty and yet captainhood of his own life that he was claiming. I guess we could play that one. Let's do. Incredible. Beautiful. I'm so glad you made it. So glad we did it. I can't believe he's he's still speaking to us. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Leonard Cohen's new album, Thanks for the Dance, is out everywhere on November 22nd. You can check out a list of some of our favorite Leonard Cohen songs by visiting brokenrecordpodcast.com and subscribing to our playlist for this episode. And when the album's out, we'll put it up there for you too. You can also sign up for a behind-the-scenes newsletter while you're there. Broken Record is produced with help from Jason Gambrell and Mia Lobel. Our theme music is by the great Kenny Beats. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Nora Jones. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today.